0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January tenth, two thousand eighteen, and welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, which is brought to you by Zip Recruiter. If you're hiring, understand that you can post your job to one hundred plus job sites, including. You know, social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. That's all it takes, and you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com/ion. That's ZipRecruiter.com/ion. Matt Norlander obviously is here with me, and uh, we had a pretty fun Tuesday night at college basketball. Twelve ranked teams were in action last night, and all of the favorites won except Seton Hall. Uh, OU star Trey Young was inefficient um, once again. But he still got, I think, 222nd half points, finished with 27 points and 9 assists and a 75-65 win over Texas Tech. That was probably the headline of the night. But I don't really know at this point what we can say about Oklahoma or Texas Tech that we haven't already said. So let's start with what you wrote about last night, Norlander, and that's Kentucky's 74-73 win over Texas A&M. Here's the way you started the column. This is the first sentence. These aren't my words, Kentucky fans. These belong to Matt Norlander. <laughs> It's January 9th, and nobody has any idea how good Kentucky's going to be this season. And uh, I think that's 100% true. We still don't know. I I think I know that they're not going to be great. I think I know that. Like, I don't think they're going to be one of the four best teams heading into selection Sunday I'd be surprised, frankly, if they got to a Final Four, although they've shown, even when they've struggled throughout the regular season under John Calipari, a unique ability to get deeper into the bracket than, than maybe some people, including myself, would have anticipated. So so who knows? But here's the truth when you break it down. And you said this, I believe, on the last podcast, that you thought this was John Calipari's worst Kentucky team Besides the, no, NIT I would include.
1: Team. I think if that team was healthy, that team with Nerlens Noel well was better than this team. Personally. Okay,
0: so, okay. So I went and looked that up, and here's the truth. Uh, obviously, when Nerlens got hurt, Kentucky was on a bit of an upward trajectory. Like they weren't completely falling apart. They weren't great, but um, but they weren't headed to the NIT either. The idea that that team was always headed to the NIT just not true. And they were operating in the top 20 uh, at Ken for the entire season up until nerland got hurt. So, but either way, whatever, that team did finish, I, I think, 55th in Ken And if you go look at John Calipari's, uh, I think, past 13 seasons, only once since 2005, has he had a team finish outside of the top 15 at Kempong? It was that 2013 Kentucky team that finished 55th. This team is currently 23rd. So it is, at this moment, the second worst Calipari team in the past 13 seasons, dating back to his Memphis years. And if you put Nerlens Noel back in that lineup, you could reasonably argue, as you have, that this is the worst a basketball team. Now it's all relative. They're still good, mm-hmm. but the worst basketball team John Calipari has coached since 2005, Memphis. Right now they're three and three against the top 50 at Ken Palm. No wins over currently ranked teams. One loss to a currently unranked team. Two and three away from Rupp Arena. Now they won last night, so this might seem like a weird conversation to have after a, a victory over Texas A&M. But they didn't look, like, overwhelming. They needed a – I don't know that they needed – maybe they needed a, a non-call at the buzzer to ensure that they won and Texas a and to miss multiple wide-open three-pointers in the final second. So, just in general, your thoughts on what you saw last night in Kentucky in general.
1: They only had seven scholarship players. I acknowledge that. They had the home floor. It was closer than I thought the game was going to be, but I also wasn't aware until – I don't think most were aware until shortly before tip – That Kentucky was going to be so low. I mean, you had Calipari's kid, Brad, in the game. And you had the – here's the thing. Like, he's he's the kind of player that gets into the game when – it's 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 a 20 point margin up or down right and final 2 minutes crowd yelling shoot the three shoot <laughs> it here's the deal he actually needed to be on the floor and produce and you had the crowd shooting those things like in the first half it's like no 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 that's not what we're doing here we need Brad Calipari to actually be a contributing member of this team as a rotation player right now so that's the state they were in last night they still get the win and yes Wenyan Gabriel absolutely fouled Tyler Davis Tyler Davis should have gone to the line with a chance to tie or win that game. So Kentucky gets a little bit lucky there. Granted, some of the officiating in that game was um, a little up and down. I don't think it was like a horrendously called game, but you know you, you're going to have to live with that kind of stuff there. Um, I don't know what this team is, man. Like it was great to see Diallo find a rhythm there. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, he's Sometimes like I watch him and I'm like, wow, this dude is probably going to wind up getting to the NBA. And we're going to be like, we didn't see nearly what he was in Kentucky as what we've seen now at the NBA. Um, other times, I think he's like the fourth or fifth best player on the team. P.J. Washington had a nice little moment there. Kevin Knox hit a pretty critical layup and transition that was a big moment for Kentucky. They're getting those kinds of plays. They need to get them in every kind of game, and they just haven't been so far. We're still waiting on Knox to make the leap. We're still waiting on Diallo to be the kind of guy that Kentucky was hoping he would be when he said, no, you know what, I'm not going to go to the NBA draft. I don't know how good this team is or is not going to be. Personally, I think its ceiling its ceiling is like a 3 seed, and its floor, it damn well, maybe a 10 seed. I, I just don't know, and that win last night was so critical, Parrish, because now they go and play at Vanderbilt this Saturday, and then next Tuesday they're at South Carolina. Kentucky is better than both of those teams. You got to win those games if you're Kentucky, because Abs-
0: road road wins are going to be difficult for this team to get. And I think so. That means you got to get the ones you're supposed to get and these two qualify as ones you're supposed to get.
1: Yes, but it says something about this Kentucky team, and Kentucky fans listening know this to be true. It is a commentary unto itself of the Wildcats this season when you're looking at a road game at Vanderbilt and a road game at South Carolina, and you don't have overwhelming confidence that you're going to win both those games and know that it's going to be a big impact on your season and your resume if you don't. In most years, if you had those games, one, you'd expect to win them. And two, even if you lost one of the two, you'd be like, nah, we're still going to be okay Like big term, long term. We're still the best team in the SEC, all that stuff. That's not on the table right now. Um, so I, I, I'm very fascinated with Kentucky because I'm just still waiting. I, like, I'm waiting for all the pieces to come together. I loved Calipari's moment in the press conference like last night you saw it right where he was questioning the media he's like which player yes. which player is the guy who's always in the right spot catching the ball where he needs to catch it and apparently someone in uh the media scrum correctly said pj washington no one else said anything <laughs> and then cal called out the rest of the media members saying they didn't quote no shit <laughs> which i like honestly like cal is uh he's no, really well, one what, of the what's best funny is that at stuff.
0: memphis he used to do this all the time cuz the media was such a smaller group of people even though memphis is obviously bigger than lexington um like i was the only beat writer uh, uh that i was the only i was in private. really you we were the I, only
1: well i guess yeah yeah i mean
0: there's one daily paper well cuz at that
1: time too like 247 wasn't doing what it did nah, like, it just yeah. it yeah. was me
0: i mean i was the only i was uh, practices were open every day because there were there wasn't a whole lot of media that wanted to be there it was just me yeah, I had access to him every before practice, after practice. But so it would routinely be John, me, three or four television cameras, maybe somebody from the Memphis Flyer. That's it. So like five, six people, and he, he. This is what last night reminded me of. He would do this all the time. He would constantly like pop quiz us, like just ask us questions. So like, so like, who do you guys think who who's playing who's playing uh, best right now for us? Who's been the surprise for us? Uh, where do you think we rank in the league in rebounding percentage or what? Like he was constantly quizzing. <laughs> and people were always scared cause you got cameras running. The last thing you want to do is say the, the dumbest thing in the world and then have it caught on camera forever. So it was always like, I understood what, what was going on last night. Cause you don't want, you'd love to be, you'd love to answer publicly correctly, But the worst case scenario is answering publicly incorrectly and then having John call you on it. So you just shut up, which is what almost everybody did in Lexington last night.
1: Yeah, it was a very good scene. Before I throw it back to you, here's the one thing. Like we knew Kentucky wasn't going to be a good three-point shooting team. Um, I'm checking their Ken Palm page right now. They're at 36.5%. That ranks 100th in Division One Overall, actually, I think you take that if you're Kentucky. But since you're not like a B-plus or better three-point shooting team, what does that mean? Well, you're going to try and rely more on either your slashers or your big men down low. Still waiting on Jared Vanderbilt to even play. And... P.J. Washington, while he's been solid here and there, and, and Knox has been good, Nick Richards, Wenyan Gabriel, Sasha Kalea-Jones, none of these guys are are establishing themselves, even at like the Bam out of bio level. And if you remember last year, Bam got progressively better as the year went along. Um, it took him a little bit, but he definitely... Established himself, I think, right about this time last season, as just a guy that they knew that they were going to be able to rely on both sides of the floor. They still wait on that. It's a big, it's a big issue with Kentucky at this point. Um, fascinated by that Vanderbilt game, they should and need to win that game. I'm not absolutely convinced they will. Um, we'll see what their roster availability, by the way, is there come Saturday.
0: Uh, I had somebody asked me on Facebook to answer a couple of Kentucky questions. And he promised, he said, if you answer these, um, I'll go buy the Gary Parishield T-shirts from your wife's children's store. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, in the, I'm in the T-shirt business now. So I answered him. And his, his basic question was, how big of a difference do you think Jared Vanderbilt would make? And like, you know, where are we at with this team? And here's what I told him. Um... Jared Vanderbilt would obviously make a difference. He's a, like a future first-round draft pick, whether it's you know this year or some other year. And the other scholarship players that they're missing would would obviously make a difference as well. But I think in general, the roster is missing that top shelf five-star guy. And I think we've talked about this before. They they, they have a bunch of five-star prospects, but all five-star prospects aren't created equal. Like Anthony Davis is not the same as. Uh, Kevin Knox, you know, and Julius Randall's not the same as uh Hamadou Diallo. And John Wall's not the same as Quade Green. And so I they've got really good freshmen. But it's hard to be great in college basketball with really good freshmen. It, it, the way you're great in college basketball is typically some balance of veterans and excellent freshmen. But short of that, just excellent freshmen. And even last year, you know remember Kentucky had two top 11 picks three lottery picks uh, none of them were Anthony Davis I don't think or 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 DeMarcus Cousins or Carl Anthony Towns but they had three lottery picks two top 11 picks and I think ultimately that's the issue with this team they're missing the star they got really good guys Kevin Knox could become a top 10 pick but there's no guarantee will be Diallo, I don't think, will be. I guess it's possible. Shea Gildas-Alexander is better than most of us anticipated, including the guys that do the recruiting rankings. But, you know, he's not Devin Booker. And so I just think they're missing that guy. And so the bad news is that, that seems to suggest there's a ceiling on what you can become. You can be good. I could reasonably see Kentucky in the Sweet 16. But I'd be surprised if we saw Kentucky in the Final Four. I have been surprised by Kentucky in the Final Four so before, so it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, but I think this team is going to be perhaps uh, a very good college basketball team that's forever missing something. But here's the good news. Not all these guys are going to absolutely leave for the NBA draft. They're not all top five picks, top ten picks, even lottery picks. So what happens? You get sophomores, maybe even you know a junior back, and then you add more five-star freshmen, now you got something. Like, John Calipari's best team ever is probably not the national championship team. It's the 2015 team. But both those teams had something in common, a mixture of freshmen and and non-freshmen. This team doesn't have a mixture, really. It's just all freshmen. But when, but when some of these guys come back to school, even if it's just two or three, you've at least got two or three sophomores. And then you mix freshmen with them. And now you're ready to go be dominant, make a run to a Final Four, maybe win a second national championship of John's career. But, you know, listen, again, who knows? We'll see. But right now, that's the way this team looks to me. It's going to be flawed, relatively speaking, uh, from now until it plays its final game of the season.
1: On the other side of the floor, remember, Kentucky was, they were expected to be top 25 level. Many people thought that Texas A&M would be better in the SEC than Kentucky. That hasn't been the case yet. Now, Absolutely, Texas A&M has dealt with some injuries, some suspensions. When it comes to suspensions, I, I, within the context of, of a conversation like we're about to have with A&M, I almost don't use that as a reason. Like, no, that's on that's on you, that's on the player. Like, if you have got guys that are suspended, that's not the same thing as an injury taking you out of the picture. No, you, you messed up, and because of this, A&M is zero and m is 0 4 in the league. Its next game is Saturday at Tennessee. This team has gone from a preseason projected top of the SEC team to now they're 11-5, and absolutely on the bubble at this point. They've got a great season opening win against West Virginia. That thing is going to age like a fine wine and do wonders for them. But other than that, when you look at their best wins, Oklahoma State not going to be an NCAA tournament team. Penn State blows a chance against Indiana on Tuesday night. I don't think Penn State's going to make the NCAA tournament. USC, right there with really A&M and Northwestern. Northwestern, I think, takes the crown at this point. But the three teams ranked in the preseason that have been the biggest disappointments and letdowns, A&M does have the win on the road at UC, which is pretty good. Elsewhere, not a ton. Maybe Buffalo makes it out of the Mackins, the representative there. That win looks a little bit better. But right now, you're already 0-4. Two of the losses at home. One of the losses at home against LSU. Oh, but you're, you're,
0: count, you're counting the West Virginia win, right?
1: I did. Yeah, that's the, that's oh, that's yeah. the biggest one. Yeah, I, I, as as I started my rant off here, I mentioned West Virginia at the top. Um, man, they got to be better than this. And yeah. it's weird to have them right now clearly be on the bubble. If they lose at Tennessee, and we made, it, I don't you know, I don't know if Palm is going to have a mock bracket come out next week. I would think. I uh, like Dayton. I, I like they, they are first four at that point, 11 and six, 0 and five in the league. The West Virginia wins. The only thing that's going to be keeping them in the NCAA tournament picture at that point at full health. Yeah, they can be a dangerous team and, and maybe they wind up being this weird, bizarre resume at the end of the season. Um, I mentioned how much I was intrigued by Kentucky. I'm vexed by A&M and I, you know, will circle back to what I started with with Kentucky, you know, we are having different conversations here. If that foul which should have been called gets called, Davis sends it to overtime or flat out just wins it with two made foul shots would have been huge. Unfortunately they don't get it and the committee's not gonna care that the that the foul wasn't called. They're gonna be logged for the loss there. What are your thoughts on A and M?
0: Well, first off, I think you make a good point about suspensions being different than injuries. For instance, when
1: Arizona loses games battle
0: for Atlantis without Raleigh Hawkins, that should be taken into account. You know, that like uh, Raleigh Hawkins just it caught a bad break. You know, It was just unfortunate. And that affected Arizona's team undeniably. That should be considered by people like me who rank basketball teams. It should also be considered uh, by the selection committee. Suspensions are different because a suspension is a self-inflicted removal from the court. It's a little bit like if you lose a game and you're like, why do you get suspended? Because you weren't doing something you were supposed to do. Either you were showing up late for meetings or you're missing curfew or you're being a, just a, a bad teammate or you felt a million drug tests. Like, who knows? But, like, it could be any number of things. But it all comes back on you. You wouldn't be suspended if you were doing the right thing. So, uh, to me, that equates to, you know, if you watch a team lose a game and you say, well, they lost the game because they didn't condition well. They look tired. Well, that's on them. You know, get in better shape. Or they lost the game because they didn't seem prepared. Well, that's on you. Prepare better. And if you lose a game because somebody was suspended or multiple games, well, that's on you. You know, Recruit players who don't get out of line and who are accountable and reliable. And so I recognize that some of AM's problems are rooted in suspension, but you know, that's a self-inflicted problem. And uh, I won't give you leeway for that. In uh, the bigger picture, I mean, to go from being ranked in the top 10 to, you know, being 0-4 in the SEC in a matter of weeks is pretty remarkable. Like, that's hard to do. But you really can flip literally two moments. And they're 2-2, two and two, and everybody's fine. They're probably ranked in the top 25 right now. And that's Tremont Waters over the
1: weekend. Like if he just doesn't make some ridiculous, ridiculous shots. three pointer, though, like that three pointer at the end was really one of the more, the three most outlandish shots of the season, man.
0: I mean, you don't even know how he got it off. I, yeah. mean, I told you when I saw him up close a few weeks ago, I was like, he's special, man. He's really good. And, you know, he's playing for an unranked team and he's not quite doing or you know, he's not he's not uh, Trey Young. So, like, he's not in a national conversation, but you watch him play. He's as fun as anybody else. Great vision, shot-making ability, and he just, he, you know, I, I watched him beat Memphis by himself up close, and then the other day he beat Texas A&M by himself. So you just removed that ridiculous shot, and now AM's instead of at that point being uh, 0-3 in the league, they're 2-1. and one. And you just call the foul on winning Gabriel last night? You're probably sitting at, or at least possibly sitting at, 2-2 two and two, on a two-game winning streak. And everybody's fine now. Everybody's like, "Hey, Texas A&M's getting back together. They look like a team that could maybe win the SEC." As it is, because those moments didn't go your way, but the other way, um, you're 0-4, and it just shows you how—and this is a bit of a coaching cliche—but it, it's at least true in this um, situation. You know how slim the margin for error is for for a lot of teams, and, and Texas a seems to be uh, one of those. But it is—it's wild. And I saw this—not to get too far off subject. Somebody did a breakdown on Nick Saban the other day. Obviously, he's got six championships now, five in the past nine years at Alabama. It's just insane. Uh, But this person broke down how if you took not games, not like whole games, say, well, you know, if he'd won that game, not even quarters. Like if if you would have had a good quarter, literally plays, like just four or five plays in the past nine years, if you took them and just flipped them, so like the kick six or Deshaun Watson's touchdown pass like if that touchdown pass right. isn't caught but dropped that's another national championship. If the kick six which is just insanity doesn't happen, probably another national championship. Like you can take four or five plays from Nick Saban's career and flip them and he's sitting here with like nine or 10 championships right now.
1: You can do the reverse. Um, you know, two, oh sure. two he doesn't he does I two is still in the game but um the safety doesn't buckle on that on that look off and the kicker misses the field goal and and then alabama yeah, no, doesn't. Right. and there was like a i'm just i'm not like you can definitely that's what we're getting at here is like these moments can just absolutely define it like they alabama i think three of the past four title games has played in has come down to like the final play or two and it could go on the other way as well so it is there's very much something to that absolutely
0: so you out on AM or you still think they can pull this thing together and, and at the very least, make the NCAA tournament?
1: I will have, I have A&M, like I'll predict right now, on January 10th. Mark me down for AM as a 10 seed in the tournament. Um, and very well could be, like, if they are healthy at full strength, could be the trendy 10 seed into the Sweet 16 if they get a 2 in their region that uh, might be look a little bit wobbly there. So uh, I'm still in on them in that regard, but I'm out on them competing and like rolling with the SEC and and putting together a big winning streak. Uh, Kennedy's only had one winning streak of seven games uh, since he got to A&M in league play. Uh, This team's not going to be able to do that this year, one, with how inconsistent they have been, but also the way the schedule is built, they're not going to be capable of doing that. So in absence of that, they're not going to get into the top three, top four of the standings in the SEC, and because of that, they don't really have a shot, in my opinion, of getting anything north of a seven seed.
0: I agree with that. I think, yeah, not gonna compete for an SEC title now. Like that 0-4 hole, probably a little too difficult to dig out of. But yeah, um, if the question is is will A&M play in the 2018 NCAA tournament, I would uh, I would bet on yes. At least I'd bet on yes for now. But keep in mind,
1: like you know where they're at this weekend, right? Tennessee. Yeah, so the yeah, Dude, I mentioned by. this before. Like I mentioned that they beat West Virginia. I mentioned that they beat Tennessee. Did scared? I not
0: tell you once before I don't listen when you Yeah, talk?
1: you clearly either checking the text, looking <laughs> out your window, grabbing a bite to eat, I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> I, I, I mentioned these things.
0: Talk. I just listen for you to stop talking. It's so like I I I say a bunch of stuff and then I listen for you to stop talking and then I start talking. It's so like you know who actually does this to me in real life? My my own radio producer. He does exactly what I'm doing to you right now. He'll do to me. Like I'll say, uh, the wild thing about Trey Young is that he was a five star prospect coming out of high school, so we shouldn't really be surprised. But he's so amazing that it's still sort of surprising what he's doing. And then my producer will be like, "So was he like a three or four star coming out of high school?" I'm like, "Dude, I just said he was a five star (laughs) prospect coming out." And he's not listening to me. Maybe other people. Maybe this is a problem, just like human problem. We don't listen to each other talk, except
1: I do think you listen to me. I appreciate that. Does this kind of thing ever happen to you on your radio show? <laughs>
0: A fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them, though. ZipRecruiter, posts your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards, and with just one click. That's all it takes. Then... A ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They even review every application to identify the top candidates so that you never miss a great match, which is why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. So it's no wonder that uh, 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter uh, uh, get a quality candidate uh, through the site in just one day. Like 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site, and it only takes one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You can find out today why. ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners listen to this podcast. You can post your job at ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ZipRecruiter com slash ion ZipRecruiter.com/slash-ion. It's ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Should we talk about where Texas A&M is going this weekend? (laughs) So I mentioned at the top that I don't know if you heard it or not, but I mentioned at the top that there were 12 ranked teams in action Tuesday night, and the only one that lost was Seton Hall, and that was on. Um, our air at CBS Sports Network. We've had them in two incredible performances uh, over the the past couple of weeks. Marcus Howard, of course, going for 52 uh, last week uh, on our air. And then Andrew Rousey last night going for 30-plus for uh, maybe the third or fourth time this season. And so this Marquette team's a a lot of fun. We haven't talked about them much. Uh, They're 12-5 and after last night's win over Seton Hall. They're 38th at Ken Palm. Um, top 10 in offensive efficiency, about half their field goal attempts are three-point attempts, and they make about 41% of those. And they've got two guys, like I mentioned, Marcus Howard and Andrew Rousey, who can go for 30 at any time. Both are 5'11 guards. So, like, it's something as I was watching this last night uh, occurred to me. It's like they've got two Devin Downies. It's unbelievable. If you watch Marquette, it's like, oh, wow. they it, This is Steve Wojciechowski, Coaching multiple Devin Downies at the same time. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. I think Marquette's my new favorite basketball team. Marquette, your new favorite basketball team?
1: No, absolutely not. Not even close, but they are pretty what? interesting at 12 and 5 in a in a good league, getting a critical win. You know, Seton Hall, uh, we haven't really talked much about them on the podcast either. They are pretty damn good. And Angel Delgado did not quite make our first team midseason. All-American list, but absolutely, if we would have made a second team, I would have made sure that he was on that list. He's been pretty good. For the for the Golden Eagles to get that win at home, big time for the resume. I don't know how many teams are going to come out of this league, but right now, I mean, I think eight of the ten. And, yes, I'm including Georgetown, which beat St. John's. What? what? No, I'm not saying it's getting there, GP. I'm saying right now. The only teams that know they've got no real shot at the tournament are DePaul and St. John's. Georgetown's got to do a ton, but they're still, like, they got the road win at St. John's to at least keep the glimmer of hope alive. You remove Georgetown from the picture because I don't think they're going to get there. You got seven teams, and that seventh team uh, just may be Marquette because of the fact that they got this huge home win. They are a very fun team. This is See, here's why... I think that they're great for the league, and they'll be more fun as we go forward because I think they're good enough to pick off Villanova. Any 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 team in the league, I think they're good enough to pick them off at home, and I think that they will. And then because of the way that they play and because of the way that they shoot, I actually think they're going to wind up having similar to what they were last year because they were the top three-pointing shooting team in college basketball last season, and they were a fascinating group. But their resume at the end of the season, they got into the tournament. If you'll recall, you know, you mentioned Devin Downey. Mm -hmm. When they got to the tournament, that was the team, Devin Downey's alma mater, that actually knocked off Marquette. So very appropriate, very cosmic uh, coincidence there. I think Marquette is probably going to be, again... In that final group of like five teams, when we when we're getting the selection Sunday, because I think their resume is going to be all over the place. I think they're probably going to lose some games on the road by 20 points. They might beat some big time teams at home to help themselves out, and maybe they enter the Big East tournament needing to get to like a semifinal to feel good about their chances. But they are a lot of fun, and they're one of you know they're just one of a handful of teams that if you have not really spent a lot of time watching them yet. You're gonna love the way they play, in part because of the way they run their offense. But yes, between Howard and Rousey, when you just got smaller dudes that are able to jack it up and play so efficiently and effectively like that, it's just a really fun team to watch.
0: It's a fun team to watch, and it's also a reminder that you know being five eleven is it will will make it very difficult for you to be in the NBA, and certainly flourish in the NBA. It happens, but it's, it's difficult. Nothing about being 5'11 prevents you from being awesome at college basketball. And you can play two under-six-foot guards together. Um, Florida has won at a high level with big guards over the years. I mean, little guards over the years. Villanova's won at a high level with little guards over the years. Uh, Kansas has won at a high level with little guards over the years. And so I don't know why some coaches are so reluctant. Like, I don't know if you can play those two little dudes together. Yes, you can. And, uh, if you don't believe me, go, go watch Marquette because they're playing two little dudes together and they're shooting the lights out of the ball. And, um, yeah, they're going to take some losses in certain places, probably more on the road than, um, than at home. But, but in that building, when one of those guys gets going, um, you know, when they're going to take, you know, 33 pointers or something like that, um, they've got a chance uh, to knock off anybody. And they've got obviously because of their league affiliation, some big time, you know, reputable teams coming in, uh into Milwaukee, and, and they'll catch, that won't be the last one catch, they caught. Last night won't be the last time they catch a, a nationally ranked team. If they do it often enough without taking those bad losses, they'll wind up uh, nationally ranked as well. Before we get out of here, um, some sad, awful, really scary news involving Andrew Jones uh, at Texas. Right before we started this podcast, um, the university announced that Uh, the former five-star prospect from the class of 2016, their second leading scorer right now has been diagnosed with leukemia. And so we talk, because we speak about sports, uh, about injuries and illnesses all the time, you know, pulled hamstrings and torn Achilles and uh, ACLs and broken wrist. Um, And we talk about it so seriously. And then you get something like this and you just realize how – not serious those things are I mean you, this is a young man and, and uh, we don't know the um, you know how, how far this has progressed what he's actually dealing with but um, anytime you get that word um, it's super serious and uh, I I don't know I mean again we've gone through this stuff before but man that that really hit me. I mean, like this is a young man that forget basketball for a second. I can't imagine how terrifying it must be to be twenty years old, healthy your whole life um fit uh successful, and then suddenly have your world turned on upside down like this you know basketball put on the back burner n b a draft put on the back burner, and now you're just I, I think on some level, I bet this creeps into your mind like am I going to live mm-hmm. am I going to beat this and You know, I sent Shaka a text earlier and uh, just, man, you know, thoughts and prayers get tossed around a little too much on social media. But um, if you're into that type of thing, send them send them to Austin, because that program and especially that young man and his family really going through it right now.
1: Yeah. uh, Only hoping for the absolute best for Andrew Jones. Um, You know, I uh, I I wrote the stuff with Andrew Smith, who died from leukemia, the former Butler player. Um, we'll have more about that. We'll talk about it on the podcast next week. Um, I, too, sent Shaka a note um, and and basically let him know, like, if Andrew wants any sort of information or anything, you know, through Shaka, he can feel to reach out. I'll be happy to send anything. Um, but this is, like, what we're talking about with Be The Match. Like, there's we don't know if Andrew Jones needs uh, any sort of transplant or anything like that. But if he does... People need to be signing up for this registry because there could be someone walking this planet right now who has the DNA match to save andrew jones 's life okay and just the general public isn 't aware of that kind of stuff yet. Um, I hope it hasn 't progressed to that point. I hope this is something that was caught early and that he can beat and uh, return to the floor because i it you know beyond all else, I uh, hope really good things, really good health for him and this is a story with a terrific uh and happy ending. Uh, and one that is uh, resolved as as quickly as possible. So certainly uh, thoughts and prayers out to him, his loved ones, the Texas basketball program. That was uh, certainly a sobering uh, press release to get from the Texas athletic department earlier today and uh, nothing but the best for you, man.
0: Using context clues, hopefully not inappropriately, but you would, you would have to assume that they caught this early, right? Because he was playing basketball this season. then clearly started not feeling well and they start running all these tests. And because he's a Division One athlete at a place like Texas, you know he's going to have the best uh, medical care you could possibly get. And so I would just assume that because he's an athlete who started feeling in a way that prevented him from competing, and they immediately started trying to address it the way you would with an athlete, as opposed to, say, a, a, a 47-year-old mother of four who might just Feel like she's worn out, then I'm not going to go to the doctor today. I'll get better by next week. You know, sometimes people put things off that they shouldn't, but with a basketball player, nothing's put off, if only because they're trying to figure out what's going on immediately because they wanted it addressed and back on the basketball court as quickly as possible. So uh, I hope I'm not connecting too many dots, but I would assume that, um, that this was called. Hopefully early. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what all of that t- suggests to me, at least. And if so, that's obviously better um, than the the alternative. And it, it, this comes 24 hours, less than 24 hours after last night. Somebody retweeted it into my Twitter feed, and I just got back to my hotel. So it's like two in the morning after being in studio all last night at CBS Sports Network, and so you know you just laying there trying to unwind and put your you know, head on a pillow and close your eyes and go to sleep because it's got an early day the next day. And somebody retweeted a, a story um, that this young woman named Holly Butcher had written. And she was diagnosed with cancer. You know, Like a healthy, fit Australian woman in a relationship, successful in every way, like a nice life. She's living the life you want to live. And at the age of like 26, she's diagnosed with cancer. And she died a few days ago um, at the age of 27. And she had written a long letter, um, and and handed it over to her family and wanted it published after she passed. And it, it had gone viral, and that's obviously how it ends up in front of my eyes. And it was just um, not unlike other things people in similar situations haven't said or written. But she was just like, like you know, let, don't don't worry about a lot of the things you worry about. Like I, like there are people out there facing real things, you know that are much more serious and devastating than the probably not serious thing you're dealing with that is bothering you today. And like it just like yesterday morning I was just like furious about my son dropping his iPhone and cracking the screen. Like that affected my mood cuz we just talked to him, "Hey, brand new phone, you got to be careful, put keep it in the case." And then my wife's like, "Well, Aiden, Crack the phone screen i'm like mother like i'm just you know like die, ready to murder him and then you read the holly butcher story last night and it's like oh wow like now i need to take her advice like what am i i'm yelling about a freaking iphone like i have a, a beautiful family everybody's healthy um i don't probably deserve any of the things that i have but i got them somehow and now i'm still mad no matter what And here's holly butcher dying like trying to give me advice that I won't take. And then, like, again, you wake up today and then this is what you see. And it just, it's a reminder. And it's not easy to do. And trust me, I won't subscribe to it completely because I don't think I'm wired that way. But man, if you're not facing a life or death situation or somebody you love isn't as well, if you haven't lost your career, um, you know, if you're not about to lose your home, like, life's probably okay. And Uh, I I hate that you sometimes need stories like Holly's story and now Andrew's story to remind us of that. But um, if you're looking for something you can take out of of this stuff and and apply it to your own life, maybe try to keep that somewhere in the back of your mind. Like you're probably frustrated about something right now, going through something right now. um, But it's probably not as serious as what Holly was going through and now what Andrew Jones is going through. And uh, it's probably important to remember that sometimes
1: absolutely good words there gp appreciate that and we'll be back uh probably on on either late thursday night or friday to preview to recap anything from uh the games previous and then obviously uh preview what should be a pretty solid week
0: yeah so if you haven't subscribed to the island college basketball podcast please go do that uh rate it favorably you guys have been terrific in that regard we really appreciate it like norlander said because i was listening to what he said we'll be back friday until then take care